0: Listening to The Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self doubt, and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources, and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 33 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Thursday the 31st of October 2017. So happy Halloween. I am super excited to share the interview with you today. Uh, My guest is Katie Cross. Katie writes both YA fantasy and contemporary women's fiction and she also runs a lively Facebook group for authors, I got such a lot out of speaking to Katie, who is a bundle of energy and also very practical when it comes to combining a business and authorship. Katie is really inspiring and offers lots of practical strategies for those who are trying to combine caring for others, uh, family life or work along with writing, which, let's face it, is most of us. In personal news, um, I had a wee bit of a cold, Um, nothing serious, but I did feel quite under the weather during October. But on on a brighter note, I had a lovely week off with a family break by Loch Ness. Uh, We hired a lodge right on the shore and the autumn colours were beautiful and we had lots of nice walks and played games and drank some wine, Um, I didn't take my writing computer and instead I read several brilliant books, including a past guest of the show, Gillian McAllister's new psychological thriller, Anything You Do Say which is absolutely incredible. It's got a sliding doors style split narrative, which follows the two possible outcomes of a single decision made by the protagonist. And it's a triumph, highly recommended, both just for enjoyment and for writing craft study. My writing news for October isn't terribly impressive, I'm afraid. I must admit, I allowed myself to just take my foot off the pedal a wee bit during October. I had planned to hammer through the rest of my current first draft, and that did not happen. I got stuck in the middle, as I do every single time, and I had to revert to lots of thinking time and free writing instead of really making forward progress with my word count. And that I find, I always find that very difficult, I'll be honest, because I like to see my word count going up and I measure my productivity i guess when it comes to creative writing in terms of words um but i did make myself do it i did let myself have walks and thinking and generally just mulling over the problems that i was having eventually all of that did work and i woke up at four o'clock in the morning about a week ago with the solution to the plot that i needed which is a great relief It's also proof that if you keep on thinking about your book and trying to work on it, even when you feel utterly stuck, you really will make progress, even if it feels futile and hopeless and as if you're getting absolutely nothing done at the time. So this month, uh, for November, I'm determined now to finish this first draft. Um, I'd really like to be able to wind down a wee bit in December as my energy is always super low that month Um, so I'm setting that as my reward and I'm using my bullet journal to track my word count and time spent writing um, and to set mini goals each week and I'm hoping that that will help me stay on track. I know I won't be the only busy one in November as, of course, it's NaNoWriMo. Lots of luck to everyone taking part this year. I'm cheering you on. I truly think that NaNo is a brilliant challenge as it forces you to focus on just getting the words down and, crucially, getting to the end of your story no matter what. I actually wrote a piece on the Worried Writer site last week called The Life-Changing Magic of Finishing Your Novel. I'll put a link in the show notes in case you haven't seen it. It was a response to a question that I'd had And it was something that really made me, well, it reminded me of how stuck I'd been for so long trying to get further than a beginning or a few chapters of a book and how hard it was to get through to the end. But I I truly think that, I mean, finishing any novel is incredibly difficult, but the first one is so, so hard because you don't know that you can do it yet. And that is the life-changing magic. Because once you know you can do it, if you can just slog through and get to the end of your story, of your book, it doesn't matter what the quality of that book is, it truly doesn't, you can then go forward carrying that knowledge, that hard-won reality that you can get through a book, that you can do it. And I have to say that while some pieces might get abandoned later on, it's never quite as difficult as that first time. At least that's been my experience. So I encourage everyone to either join in with Nano if that sort of challenge suits you, or if perhaps you're in the middle of a piece of work, maybe, like me, take November as a, as the month that you are going to finish it. And um, I will try to uh, keep up sharing how I'm getting on. I will do that on Twitter and Facebook page. And yes, hopefully we can all Reach our goals in November. So before I get to the interview, I just want to do a quick shout out on Twitter. Catherine Barbie, who is at Catherine Barbie, um, said, enjoyed listening to the Worried Writer podcast whilst hiking part of the southwest coastal path in Dorset today. And she posted a beautiful picture on a gorgeous day. So thank you so much for that, Catherine. Emerson Novak, who's at Social E Walk Words, uh, said, your book is what got me started writing again. Thank you, Emerson. Laurie Germain, who is at Laurie Germain, Adrienne, who is at Second Wave Creative, and Anna McNuff, who's at Anna McNuff. Thank you to everyone on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram um, for your lovely comments and shares um, and messages. I really, really appreciate it. And also, thank you to you for listening. If you've got a moment to share this podcast on social media or leave a rating in your preferred app, such as iTunes or Stitcher, that would be really helpful. The more people who hear about the show, the more likely I will be able to carry on doing it. Also, if you've got a question that you'd like answered, or a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please do get in touch. Sarah at WorriedWriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. painter. And now, on to the interview section of the show. writes both YA fantasy and contemporary women's fiction. Her books include the Network Series, which kicks off with Miss Mabel's School for Girls, and Bonbons to Yoga Pants. Katie also provides mentoring services for indie authors, and she runs a lively Facebook group for authors who are also parents, which supports those combining these two difficult, sometimes stressful and bewildering vocations. Welcome to the show, Katie, and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Well, I was hoping you could just break the ice with the audience by telling us about your latest release.
1: Yes. Uh so well, the the project I'm working on. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that would be so, great. Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so excited about this project. I every time someone asks me, I seriously can't stand it. So it's called the Dragon Masters, and it's a duology. So there's a book one and a book two. And my plan right now, I'm working with a marketing consultant, so I'll kind of refine this. But my plan is to uh, write. Both books together and then release them within just a couple weeks of each other. So it's gonna be so hard to (laughs) hold on to a completed book like while waiting for the next one. So it'll be interesting how it works out but it's basically it's tied into my first fantasy series, the network series. So I take some side characters from there and like rewind 100 years and then tell their story. So I talk about the dragon masters, uh, how these witches like live and work with dragons and, and a whole bunch of just other really fun stuff that goes on. So I'm really excited about it.
0: That does sound fantastic, but you are going to need to be really patient. Oh, yeah. I
1: think I just might not put the first book through the editing process so that they have to go through together and I'm not tempted to release the first. (laughs) Like, just make it so I can't because otherwise I will.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a good strategy. Yeah. But um, something I really want to talk about, um, there's quite a few things you mentioned there that I'd quite like to dive into, but something I really want to talk about is your path to publication. Um, Because I know that you are an indie author, and I believe you chose this from the beginning. Would you be able to talk us through your kind of your decision making process for that or how that came about?
1: Yeah, definitely. I was on this website. It's called Fan Story. It's like this small website where you can like write stories and people read them. And there's like a currency built within the website. So as you read and comment on stories, you make money and then you can promote your story. It's just this fun little place to start getting feedback and finding beta readers. And I was on Fan Story. Miss Mabel's School for Girls is where I start. I started writing that on Fan Story. It like won this award, got a ton of attention and someone approached me and was like, well, are you going to try and publish this? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. I mean, I don't want it to just sit in this, on my computer. She's like, well, you should look into self-publishing. And I'd never heard of it. This was back in 2011, you know, kind of the heyday. So I knew what a Kindle was, but I didn't have one. And so I was like, uh, I don't know. So I started looking into it. And I was like, are you kidding? This sounds awesome. Like, I would get to do everything, which also seemed like a bad thing because I didn't know what I was doing but from the beginning I was instantly like that it called to me I was like yes that that's the way I want to publish a book so I took like two years to write publish refine learn how to write better like work with editors find my team and then end up just taking in all the information about self-publishing I could learn everything I could and then just started on the path with my first book.
0: That's fantastic and I I definitely have a lot of As somebody with a lot of self-doubt, I was wondering, you know, I'm very intrigued by what what it takes to, to choose yourself in that way to start with, but I think what you said there about getting that great feedback on your story, perhaps, do you think that was what really helped you to think, okay, yes, I can put this out?
1: Yeah, it, it it gave me a, a little bit of confidence in that I had I was able to network into a lot of writers before I went anywhere near hitting publish, and I had a lot of beta readers give me feedback. I had professional editors working on it, so from the beginning I approached it from a really professional standpoint, so that I had a lot of feedback and it was all really good. And I had even submitted this manuscript to like some other contests like outside of that website. I moved off that website pretty fast, but. I submitted it to some other places and was hearing consistently that it was a great story. One lady was like, it's a great story, but the writing needs work. And she goes, but that's a good place to be. And I was like, okay. So that's when I found an editor and was like, my writing needs work. Help me out. And we started talking, you know, and I learned more. So I, I think I had confidence in my story based on what people said. But I, I just knew, like to me, it just felt right, and that gave me that confidence to move forward because I knew I wouldn't be waiting on anyone else but myself. So that was like, I'm gonna go into this, you know, like 100%. But it's, it's different once you hit the publish button and you're, you start to get reviews, you know, and the feedback starts coming in. Not that I had any terrible reviews, but I do remember that feeling of vulnerability once I hit that publish button. I was like. <laughs> oh, what have I done? Like anybody can buy this book and they're going to and read it, and I put a piece of my heart out there, and it, it was it was very draining.
0: Mm, and that's so true, and I think if you whichever uh, where you go to publish, I think that's so true. When once it goes out it's really tough, isn't it?
1: Well, maybe even more so for traditional publishers, because you don't control that monster. (laughs) But in self-publishing, I mean, if you're in like a moment of pure panic, you can pull it back and say, okay, I need to like pause, I need to rewrite, I need to rework, I need a different cover. You have control over that. So I think for self-publishing, you have a lot more safety there. So I imagine as a traditionally published author, that's even more frightening because you can't you can't really pull back in the same way even though you have a team of people working for you so
0: yeah that is true <laughs> but yeah. also I think you touched on um probably what's one of the I would imagine you would say one of the best things about indie publishing is that control and um, what would be what's the worst things about about doing it yourself is there anything that you don't particularly like oh.
1: Oh, yeah, the control. Right. It's like this double-edged sword. It's so amazing on one hand. But on the other side, it's you have control. You have to do something with it. And you really need to do it well Uh if you want to make a good impression so, fi- I think finding a team can be the hardest part because you need to find people you trust at rates you can afford that are going to help you make a beautiful book. But even once you find that team, you like need to communicate with them. You need to, you know, figure out how to do stuff. And if you can't afford a team, you need to figure out how to do it yourself. And that takes time. And so there, there are a lot of downsides to having that control. And I think one of the biggest ones is most of us come into writing in general, not even just self-publishing, writing from like Mars. I mean, I was a nurse. I have my bachelor's degree in nursing and I came into writing. So it's like, I wasn't at all prepared to be a business owner. Like I I was a nurse, right? I was like helping sick kids. So we're like thrown. we throw ourselves into this world and we're like in over our heads, you know, swimming in deep water. And I think we like the control cause it's like the only thing we can hold on to when we're like trying to figure out what's going on around us. Uh, But also that can be a really good place to be because the right kind of people put themselves in that situation and they sink or swim. And that is the situation in which most of us swim where we say, okay, I'm in over my head. I have to act. I have to do something. I have to rise to the occasion and step through this fire. And we do, and we learn about ourselves in the process Mm. and we become better. So I think there are downsides. We get overwhelmed with control and all this other stuff, but that can also bring really cool things to us as people, not just as self-publishers. So so yeah, I definitely fight the downsides of self-publishing daily.
0: <laughs> no, but that's a great way of looking at it. And, and it makes me feel a lot better to hear, because um, you've done this all so well and so successfully and your books are beautiful. And But to hear that you sometimes find the control double-edged is hugely reassuring to me because I loved putting out my own book this year, but it was... Um, Suddenly, having to make all the decisions, although I desperately wanted that control to make those decisions, just things like choosing, working with the cover designer, and then me having the final say and me having me giving the cover brief, it was awesome, but it was really hard.
1: Yeah, well, because I mean, it opens you up to making mistakes, (laughs) and no one wants to fail. No, no one wants to make a mistake, but that, yeah, it's scary to to be in the hot seat and know that it's you like you are making this decision so yeah and do you have any advice for finding
0: good people to work with you were talking about getting a trusted team together
1: yeah so i i would go with just network with other authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're traditionally published or self-published, whatever, you're going to need a tribe. Like who Authors, we just need a tribe. We do. It's a solitary profession, but it requires a village, really. So, I would just recommend doing whatever you can to, to meet other authors, whether it's in an online space or a personal space. I mean, in, in the United States, I'm sure it's different everywhere, but I'm sure most places have sort of the same access, but like libraries are a wonderful resource for writing groups. A lot of writing groups meet in libraries because it's mm-hmm. free. Or librarians, i found librarians, I've worked with a lot of libraries and a lot of librarians, they themselves are often authors and kind of know what's going on and can at least find you some people. Or you can go online and find Writers Group. I did a book tour through Idaho, where I'm from, and like, went to a writer's group and spoke with them. And, you, you know, they were just all online and and found each other that way. But Facebook is a really good way, just finding Facebook groups. You can just troll through, you know, self-published writing groups or write a beta writer beta groups or whatever and just start interacting with people in a very sincere way. I mean, if you're, like trolling, people are going to know. If you're mm-hmm. spamming, people are not going to like you. But just be sincere and start, You kind of put yourself out there. Again, you have to make yourself a little bit vulnerable and say, look, I'm, I'm in this writing space. I need some outside insight. I need some, I need, I need a people. I need, a I need a tribe, you know, <laughs> let's try and make a tribe and, and you can find that. A lot of my team that I have right now, well, I'd recommend anyone go to my team because they're fantastic. But some of them, themselves, I met just because they are or their spouses are self publishers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, my ebook formatter, her name is Kella. She's amazing. She actually works as an ebook formatter as a day job, but she plans to self publish. So, she's writing, so she works as my ebook formatter and she's another self publisher. And then, my interior typesetter for my paperbacks, his wife self publishes and they run like a self publishing company that services for authors, like other things for authors, that kind of stuff. So, just putting yourself in a space to be seen and see others will help you a lot in networking. And for the introverts or worried people out there, it doesn't have to be in person. And it can feed through the <laughs> safety of the internet. Yeah, it can feed through the safety of the internet that uh-huh. you find your team.
0: <laughs> uh huh. And speaking of Facebook groups, um, you run a wonderful Facebook group. <laughs> yes. yes. What, what led you to starting that? Was that more about your the tribe thing you were talking about?
1: Part of it, yeah. Uh-huh. So. There's several reasons I run that Facebook group. A lot of it is I like to network with self-publishers, and that I it creates a space for me to do so. And and there are two or three other reasons. One of them being, when I was a nurse, I it was very clear to me the way I helped people. Uh, I, I was always serving other people. I was I was meeting other people, and I'm an extrovert, and so I, I thrive on connection and and people. But when I became an author, I lost a lot of that, especially when I became a full-time author. So, this group was a way for me to connect with people, help when I can, like provide some service and and feel better about myself because I'm, you know, putting something out there that's good, like to help people. So, that that's one way that I do it. And another is, um, I was a self-publisher before I became a mom and... So I worked full time writing until I had my sweet little hellion, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know I, it was a difficult transition for me from full time author to fo- to full time mom, especially with the newborn. And he had colic and some other issues for the first four months. My husband was deployed for a lot of it, you know. So it was just difficult, and I, I had a hard time finding resources. I couldn't. I didn't know what was going on in the self publishing world. I needed help. I didn't know where to ask. I couldn't find out anyone I couldn't find anyone else that was in the same boat. So I put together this group for other parents. It's not just for parents, but it's geared towards parents. To provide them what they need. So I have anyone you could ever need. You know, I have um, ebook formatters, typesetters, I have industry experts, I have podcasters, I have um, editors, there's just cover designers, man. I have everyone in there. So if I needed to ask a question about self-publishing, I could go there and ask anyone and be able to tag someone that would be able to answer. So anyone who's in that group can do the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, That's brilliant. And how <laughs> I think the um, there is something particular about juggling writing and parenthood, I'd really love to dig into your sort of nitty gritty of your process, if that's okay, sort of your writing process, your, your work process, like do you write every day? Do you do Monday to Friday, all of that good stuff?
1: Yeah, of course, I I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a geek over this information too. <laughs> I just like I I love to know how other people work their day. Like it's just fascinating to me. So I um I do write every day. So I actually I do a lot of freelancing on the side. Just I I found I got in a rut when I was just working on my own books. I wasn't as focused. But when I started working with other people and I could like feel like I was on a team, you know, I think it's just I'm an extrovert, you know. So I I tried to play to that strength. Uh, once I felt like I was on a team and I was working with other people on their writing, my writing got better and I I worked faster because I think I, it was sort of created more scarcity. I mean, there's still plenty of scarcity when you're a mom, but <laughs> this just filled a void I had because I was used to working in a space with people that were my tribe and and then like freelancing and working with other people to help write their book. kind of helped me do that. So I freelance And um, I do mentoring for some self-publishers when I have slots available and I write my own books. So it sounds like a lot, but I don't take a lot of contracts <laughs> for freelancing. It's very manageable. It's not too many. It's just enough. So I feel like I'm working on a team. So what I do on a day-to-day basis, the night before I go to bed, I have I have like a to-do list and I just sit down and say, okay, this definitely, there's like three things that have to be done tomorrow. And I put that on one side. And then on the other side, I write down all the other stuff I would love to get done, but doesn't have to get done. And that's anything from dishes to walking the dogs to washing my hair, which is like a once a week occurrence. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> hair and it's so curly. Um, so I just sort of know the night before what I need to go into. And so I wake up in the morning and if I can get up before my son, like today he woke up at like right at six o'clock. Some days he wakes up at, like 545. He's just a toddler. He's like all over the place. If I can get up before my son, I spend 20 minutes meditating. Um, I just sit, deep breathe, like try and relax. I don't think about the day. I just meditate. I just I'm just present in the moment in my body to kind of orient myself. Mm-hmm. And then I go about the day with my son and I do not check my email. <laughs> so I I used to like wake up, start to wake up slowly, check my email, but I I've decided not to do that anymore cuz I feel like it sucks me into email. And then mm-hmm. later when I write, I can't get out of email. So if I can, I meditate, which maybe once or twice a week I'm able to like get 20 minutes of meditation in early. And then, you know, I do breakfast with my son, we walk the dogs, we kind of do our day and then like an hour before nap time, I start preparing for nap time. So I get the house clean. Um, I make lunch. My son and I eat lunch. I make sure the dogs are settled. Everything is ready. So the moment my son is down for his nap, my butt is in the chair and writing on my own book. So I work on my own book first. I set a timer for an hour, sometimes two. I'll work all through nap time on just my own stuff. And then as soon as he's up, I'm done. And we play, we do our thing, and as soon as he goes down to bed, <laughs> I, I start working again. My husband right now is in grad school, so he's gone 18 hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm able to work as soon as my son goes down up until I go to bed. and then he, my husband has Tuesday Thursday off. so and he doesn't work, so I'm the breadwinner right now. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have all day to work. So that's, that's so nice. nice. that's good. <laughs> Uh, It doesn't always happen that I get all day because you know he saw school stuff and and some other stuff. (laughs) Life happens. So every moment on Tuesday Thursday that I can take, I take it to work uh, and and juggle that. But other than that, I'm I call myself a nap time nap time entrepreneur because I work at nap time (laughs) and because sometimes I don't get to work in the evening that long because I'm spending time with my husband or you know life comes up, stuff comes up, people got to talk to you or whatever. So. That's my day-to-day. And then Sunday mornings, we decided, because my husband plays rugby, uh, and he has rugby games and stuff on Saturdays, and then we spend Saturday afternoons as a family, so all three of <laughs> us get to finally be together, because <laughs> we don't always get to in the week. Uh, but then Sunday mornings, I my husband has agreed to give me, like, three or four hours Sunday morning that I dedicate, like solely to whatever I'm doing, like mm-hmm. recording a podcast or writing my book, but I don't work on any of my freelancing contracts. I don't do any of that on Sunday. It's, it's just my book. So on my work, I probably get anywhere from six to eight or nine hours a week of working on my stuff. And then I do about equal amounts for freelancing contracts if I have that much to do.
0: Well, I think that's incredible. And I think that's a really good model for anybody who is sort of juggling different things um, to maybe think about. And I don't know about you, but I, I definitely think there's something to be said for scarcity. Um, you know, I might be looking for a silver lining, but I, I definitely found that I used to get as much done during uh, when my children were at nursery for a couple of hours. And then when they started full time school, and I had the whole day, it did take me quite a while to kind of start to use that properly. Yeah. because I wasn't just like, having gotta, that stretch of
1: time. Yeah, you gotta like fit into that space slowly over time. <laughs> yeah, really, it, it's so true. I I talk to so many parents about this. I even talked to my husband about it. Like, well, maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays all day isn't a great idea because maybe I won't take it. You know, like maybe, like maybe I need more scarcity on those days so I'm more productive. But I, the fact is, I do have scarcity on those days because I don't get to work the other days, you know. So no, and you've got these other
0: things going on, that. haven't you as well? You've got the other because you've got the freelance work and the the mentoring. Right. You've kind of made yourself busy enough that that yeah. those days are, I imagine, quite busy. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, they are. They're, I wouldn't say they're stressful, but okay. they're just they're steady. So uh-huh. I can I can book it out like two hours on this project two hours on my project. I'm speaking with this client this time, you know, so I can kind of space it out because I think it's really important for us as in our health and just in general to not create too much scarcity, right? So you don't want to like overbook yourself and then you're distressed and you don't enjoy anything because you need to love the process. And I think it's really important to be present in the moment, no matter what you're doing, or try to be. Uh, when when you have a toddler, or young kids, or a lot of kids, or older kids, any kids, or any, <laughs> even just writing, it's it's hard to be in the moment mm-hmm. and, and schedule your day so you can be. So, which is why I meditate in the morning now, because that helps me through the day remember to just be more present with myself. And I found that um, I don't. I try not to over. I try not to book writing time with mom time. So sometimes, depending on what's going on, I'll have like depending on the client or what we're talking about, what's going on, I'll say, yeah, I can like, they'll call me like, Hey, can you talk really fast? Like, yeah, but my son is here. So, you know, I'll have to just be on the phone and I'll have to chase him and, and they're fine with that. So sometimes when my son is like playing in the backyard, I can Skype with someone, you know, and say, oh, okay, this here, let me help you answer this question or this is what you're looking at. Or that's when I talk to my team sometimes. So if my ebook formatter has questions about something or I'm coordinating, sometimes I'll do that while my son is awake um, and then sometimes he likes, he loves to go to our library. We, we live up in the mountains in Colorado. We're like really high in the mountains, but there's this cute little community library that has tons of toys you can like go play with. So he'll go play with those. And he like, doesn't really want me to play with them. He just wants me to sit there. So I'll take my computer and we'll answer emails or something. But again, I, I try to do that very carefully because I don't, I don't like living in both worlds. Like I don't like trying to play with my son, but also working because it's not mm-hmm. fair to him. For me to be like, hold on, I have to answer this email. I can't play Mm -hmm. dinosaurs with you now. Because if I'm never present with him, then I'm never present for anyone. Like Uh me, him... Or my work, so my work suffers too. So it's it's a careful balance when you're a parent of being a parent, but still having time for yourself and taking time for your writing, because your writing time can't be your your self care time. Does mm-hmm. that make
0: sense? Absolutely. But this yeah. is all amazing advice. But um, is there anything else that you would say to somebody who's maybe already a writer, or they're they're looking to maybe start a family, or it's happening imminently, and they're a <laughs> wee bit worried about? the change, you know, what, what do you wish that you'd known when you were looking to become a parent yeah. and you were worried about it? Is what's your sort of top? I wish I'd known this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic question. I, what I wish I would have known before I had my son when I was the most stressed, cause I didn't know, I was like, can I still be a self-publisher and have a newborn? Like, I don't know if that's going to work is uh, when you have a newborn, there's space to grow into your new life. So, I mean, now, I mean, my son was a really tough newborn, but even so, I had more time than I thought. Uh, you know, he breastfed a lot, or, you know, for the most part, they're supposed to sleep a lot. My son <laughs> didn't really sleep so much, but... Um, but there, he fed there, a lot instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there was time for me to be, to take care of him, and then I was able to find snatches of time that I could write, and I found ways to hack it. So I have, like, a battery wireless keyboard on my Mac. So I set my computer up where I nursed him in his room and I would just have my keyboard on my lap and I would just type while he nursed. Cause I could, you know, he was just like sitting on the pillow and I could just mm-hmm. sort of type mm-hmm. and it wasn't anything stunning, but it was just me writing, uh, maybe like 15 to 20 minutes at a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I was able to do that, especially when he was young. And that, for me, right then was enough. I was like, okay, I'm still moving this forward. And I felt okay. Like, it felt better than I thought it would. And also, there's more time when they're newborns to work than you think. And I'm speaking mostly to first-time parents right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have other kids and a baby, it's totally different, I'm sure. <laughs> I, we only have one right now. So there was more time for writing with a newborn than I thought. Uh-huh. Um, and th- the, it, for me, it got busier once he got mobile, So, once he was mobile and like was able to fall down the stairs and stuff, that's when it was like, okay, there has to be a separation. But when he was more of a newborn, I could put him in the bouncer on the table next to me and he's just like looking at his toys, you know, for 20 minutes and I could type off emails or write. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. the transition wasn't as difficult as I thought. It got more difficult as he got older. But by the time he was older, I was growing into the spaces of being a mom. So, I was better able to say, okay, I could do it here. I could do it here. These are my resources. And I've tried everything. So I would advise people just try whatever you can. Like I tried babysitters for a while. We don't have family close to us to do babysitting, but if you have parents close to you, then take advantage of them, you know, <laughs> try everything. It's going to be fine. You can write and self-publish and have a baby and you'll grow into that over time. Like I would say, just give yourself grace and, and don't worry. It, it will still be okay.
0: That's fantastic. Well, we've been talking, or you've certainly been talking about um, scheduling and grabbing that time and typing, and that's brilliant, but I'm afraid this is the worried writer. So I'm going to ask the dreaded question, do you ever suffer from creative block?
1: Oh, all the time. <laughs> yes, all the time. Uh, you know what You know what worries me in writing is that Saif so Scrivener Oh. And I have it like color coordinated and set up so I can see all the scenes or you know a separate document on the screen. And I'll so I'll know what's coming because i I plot ahead and I'll look at all of them and be like, I have so far to go. <laughs> like I have so much writing to do right now, and I don't know if I have the energy for this, especially at the end of a day. Um or I'm just like, I have to make a lot of decisions and I don't want to. Typically when I'm blocked creatively, it's because I need to make a decision and I don't want to. <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, I need to decide where this plot's going to go and I don't want to. And, and so I'm just kinda like, ah. and then I'm worried that I'll make the wrong choice and I'll waste my words or uh-huh. something like that. So I would say at least every day, if not maybe every hour that I'm writing, I struggle with something of that. sort
0: <laughs> <laughs> So you you plan out, but you still have those moments of decisions that that you have to make okay
1: it's interesting so yeah I I was a hardcore pantser until I became a mom (laughs) and I found it much more productive to plot so Uh I pants my outlines meaning when I make the outlines anything goes I can have fun I can develop it Um, but once it comes down to it I make the decisions and then I try and stick with it but with the caveat that as I'm writing I allow myself like space so if something feels like it needs to change, it will change and I'll just have to re-outline. Mm-hmm. So I take it like a chunk at a time. I go, I think in like five to 8,000 word chunks where I'm like, okay, I know what's happening in these like four or five scenes. And then once I get to the end of those, I'll then rea- reassess my outline, make sure I still want it to go that way and then go to that next chunk. So it's much more manageable. So even though I'm looking at this big list of like Pages to write. I can still say I don't have to read about that right now. I just need to look at these three scenes, mm-hmm. and then I'll get to the next four scenes or something, and that seems to help.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And um, is there anything else that you do if you get really stuck, um, and you're having that I I can't make this decision, or I and, and you have that fear that you're going to make the wrong one. Um, and, you know, that kind of brain fog that happens. Yeah, um,
1: yeah you're it... like at a dead end. Yeah. And you, can't, you don't know what you don't know. No,
0: and you so... think actually maybe it's all broken and I should start something else. <laughs> what, what, do you, do you have, what do you do? What sort of strategies do you use for that? Do you just close the laptop and leave it for another day?
1: It depends. Yeah, it depends. If I've been str- at that place for a little while, meaning a couple days or a couple hours, then I I'm probably just avoiding it. <laughs> So then I know that I need to do something. If I've been working for a while and I'm like, oh, I just don't know what to do with this scene. Then I say, I just need a break. So I'm going to walk uh-huh. away, take a break, take a nap. That's a big one. But for the most part, like right now, before we got on to record this, I was working on my book. And I, I'm i at the very end of the first part one of the Dragon Masters. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this ending isn't going to work the way I had it. And I need it. To go a different way, I have no idea what to do. Like, (laughs) I was just staring at the computer like, oh, crap, I don't know what to do. So I messaged – I have a couple writing buddies that we have an understanding that if there's a story crisis, we can message, like, through Skype or text anytime and say, I need help, like, flushing this out. And then as soon as they're available, like, we will say, okay, I'm available this time. Let's call or something. So I just got on and said to my story buddy, Stefan, I just said – I ran into an issue. I just need to talk something out and make sure it's coherent. Just give me a call whenever you can or let me know when you can talk within the next couple days. And I haven't heard from him. I mean, it's only been like an hour since I sent the message, but I will. And then what we'll do is I'll say, look, this is the situation. This is my problem. I'm thinking of this, of going this way with it. What are your thoughts? And he will tell me, I don't like that. Or I like that. Or let's talk more about this. Or he'll just start asking me questions. And then once he asks me questions, it forces me to answer them and it forces me to see different ways. Like, oh, you're right. That's not going to work. Oh, no, I don't have that. Oh, crap. I have to rewrite this or, you know, whatever it is (laughs) that kind of like just sheds a little light into the fog so I can take another step instead of just standing there. That seems to help the most. Um, But there have also been times when I can't get a hold of any of my writing buddies and I just sit down at a blank document and I say, what is my problem? Like I'll type, what is my problem? And I'll say, my problem is this. And then how do I get out of it? So I just interrogate myself. Well, Mm -hmm. what about this? What about this? And then I start asking myself, what if blank happens? Well, what if blank happens? Well, what if blank happens? And I just start asking a ton of what if questions to generate ideas. And that's a That's another good way that's helped me either when I don't want to talk to people or if I just can't get a hold of anyone to Uh talk to. Oh,
0: that's really good advice. I love that strategy. Um, And, and, over the sort of whether you whether you use them now or whether you did in the beginning, do you have any uh, other recommendations for um, books or resources or other things that people can go to for either story help or or business help?
1: Yeah. Um... Oh, there's so many books. There's so <laughs> many books. Some of my favorite books, like on writing itself, uh, Cam Wyland. her blog and her books are my favorite. That's She's cool. awesome. Uh, Maxwell Alexander Drake, his book Dynamic Story Creation has been a foundation for the way I sculpt like the invisible layer of my story. He goes into the physical layer of a story and the invisible layer of it and how you have to have both and how the invisible layer serves the reader's silent expectations and the physical reader creates the world or the physical layer creates the world for the reader to step into. Uh-huh. You know how they're important, so I really like his way of marrying those two. And um Joanna Penn is my go-to for anything in the <laughs> author business. I know you know her. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she's a fantastic resource. I've really enjoyed her. And then um, I've Robert McKee, like uh-huh. his books Uh, Also really good. I mean, I've I have a ton of like how to books. I'm always trying to read more on writing. Those have really helped me as well. Um, Mm -hmm. One that's a little bit unrelated, but I think might help your audience. uh, I've spoken about it before. It's it's mainly directed towards women, but could like men could read it, but just know that it was written for women. It's applicable to both. (laughs) It's called um, Playing Big by Tara Moore. It's M O H R. It addresses our ability not our ability our habit of self sabotaging aren't in our inner businesses so in running a business how we play small when we should play big mm-hmm. and how maybe we don't take risks because we're afraid of failure when actually failure is one of our greatest like learning mechanisms and so when we are afraid to fail we we don't ever progress
0: oh i love so the sound of that i'm definitely yes, looking that up
1: it is amazing oh. teramore is is really amazing it's basically a book about imposter syndrome and and all of us, all of us struggle with imposter syndrome. I don't care who you are. <laughs> and uh, she helps women particularly, especially women in the workspace. I mean, it applies to moms too, you know. I'm both, so I know. <laughs> um, it, it just helps us learn how to see the ways we're self-sabotaging when we don't even know we're self-sabotaging. And, and not only shows us, but she provides methods that you could work through it and if you like those kind of books those sort of like self-help books that can help you like one-up your business another really good one is Psycho Cybernetics um I can't remember the guy's first name but his last name is Maltz that's been a, a huge one for me to just see the way that um belief systems about myself affect the way I market and um present my books like maybe I feel like I've been holding back on some of my books because I'm not a good enough writer to write that story, but it's like, but that's my story. Like I'm making it. So why, why aren't I good enough? You know, it, it's helped me identify ways in my business that I'm again, playing small and, Mm -hmm. and to be big and one up and, and just grow into who I want to be. So those are the Joanna Penn, Malts and Tara Moore are my business ones. And then Kim Wiley. Maxwell Alexander Drake or my writing ones.
0: Oh fantastic. Well, I'm very excited <laughs> because I love finding new resources myself. This is an entirely yeah. selfish question. So I will I'll put <laughs> links to all of those in the show notes. But um you mentioned there about that's really interesting that kind of mindset stuff about business or about marketing um, or you know the imposter syndrome and this is again this is something I think as you say we all struggle with. Um, how how do you either manage your sort of split of business slash marketing along with uh, creativity do you keep them very very separate and and has has it been a sort of mindset shift for you to help you to you know to market effectively and to brand yourself and all of those good things
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like I said earlier, I I came into this as a nurse. Like I was definitely in over my head, like so many of us are. So I actually like pay a marketing consultant. I have a marketing coach that helps me understand okay she tells me basically this is how you brand Katie this is how you brand yourself this is what's in the this is like what's in the world this is how you do it so I pay people to teach me <laughs> what I need to know to do it effectively because I was not able to do it well myself so mm. so I do have that resource I do uh try and keep creativity and business separate, just because um, they're two very different things. So I always work on creati- creative things first, so writing first. Like I said, I, I don't check my emails in the morning anymore, at least not within the first hour or two of waking up. If my son's entertaining himself for a little bit, like around 10 or 11, then I might check really quick, especially if something's coming up. Um, but I, I, I tend to to kind of drain my creative resources first, like through writing and then switch to the marketing business. And and I try to stay focused when I'm in each one. So when I'm writing, I try not to think about the emails or the marketing that I have to do. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) when I, my son's at the door screen (laughs) um yeah and when I'm doing like emails I'm trying just to be in that email Uh present with that person because I get a lot of fan mail you know and and, like to respond to them and and the people just have questions and and my mentors and stuff uh I try and be in the moment with them so it's fair but it's also faster (laughs) uh I can't write as well if I'm worried about like a meeting that's coming up and I can't really focus on a meeting if I'm trying to think about how to plot out my third act, you know? Uh So that's helped. And setting timers for both is my key. So I set a timer for writing and that's like the cue for my brain. Okay, you're writing now. You're not doing marketing. And as soon as that beeper goes off, okay, then you can think about marketing. And that's helped. Like for some reason it created a divider in my mind that helps. And then I just try and I try and bunch the marketing. So I'm not like on and off Facebook all day. Because once you get on Facebook, like oh, it's so hard to get off. It's like Pinterest. Uh. You, just avoid. you just get stuck on all the pretty things. So I try and say, okay, 20 minutes on Facebook, um, 10 minutes on Twitter, you know, whatever, so that I can then satisfy that without getting sucked into it and wasting time.
0: Mm, no, that's fantastic advice. And it's, it's also, it's a time suck. And it's also, it's that outside world space as well, isn't it? So if you're switching your focus between your kind of interior work and your you know, and the exterior, the kind of social and um, exterior world, then I I guess that makes sense that it would be less effective for both.
1: (laughs) So I would say that when you cut your focus between things, it takes a second for your brain to switch over. So if you're you're going from email to writing every five to ten minutes, like, oh, another email, I got to go write that and then go back to writing, you're never actually in either one. So you're not actually in your writing. So if you can just kind of sink into it and stay there, your productivity is going to like be, if you did it that way for an hour back and forth, then you probably could have just done that in half an hour <laughs> if you just like sat down and focused, at least for me. So yeah, I found that cutting in and out of things really breaks the, the system apart. And so just focusing on one and staying in it has helped me be most productive.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Well, I cannot believe that we're already out of time. I could talk to you for hours, um, but where can people find out more about you and your books?
1: Yeah. So K cross writing, it's K C R O S S writing.com is my website. You can find all my books there. My first books in series are all free. So if you like young adult fantasy or chiclet, you can get those free. And then if you subscribe to my email list, you can get a second book free. So you can get a lot free. you can get that there if you want if you're an indie author and you want the resources in my group just join it's indie author life group on facebook so you can just type that in it should pop up i do have you answer two questions like before you join so make sure if you're going to join you answer those because i I require that before i let people in it's just a vetting process to make Mm -hmm. sure we're not getting spammers I, i watch really closely for spam or link droppers so yeah those two are the best places to find me
0: Well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been so brilliant to speak to you.
1: Thank you. This was so fun.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.